Today, on Commitment to Truth. All creation, no matter your race, your culture, socioeconomic class, no matter what sin you've committed, no matter what you've done to me, said to me, felt towards me, no matter what I've done to you, said towards you, feel towards you, still worthy of love. And everybody's heart, if you want to be an encourager, you have to get to a point that your heart goes there. We have to get to a point in our lives that we develop such a fond affection for everyone in our lives. Sometimes you just got to do what you know to do. In other words, your emotions and everything about you don't feel like doing it. But give God time to let your heart catch up with your head. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. So as a pastor, uh, I've come to realize that <clears throat> uh, part of my job description is to endure discouragement. Uh, I don't think I've ever had, let's say, a month and or potentially a week that some discouraging scenario has not emerged. Now, it doesn't mean that there's uh, something to bail out on the calling, bail out on the work of the ministry and to tuck my tail and run, but that's the reality. The reality is that myself, even I need to be encouraged uh, by the body of Christ. And every time I show up on Sundays to encourage you, guess what? I'm also reciprocated, reciprocated by your personal encouragement, smiles on your faces and, and navigating life and seeing you come through it over and over again. But as I started this sermon series off, an encouragement, the, the question I asked was, in the last 24 or 36 months, has anyone experienced any form of discouragement? And I think by a show of everyone's hands, they're like, yeah, I did, for some in reason, some apparent reason, there's been some form of discouragement in all of our hearts. So I would like to also ask this question today. In the last 24 hours, <laughs> have you been discouraged to some degree? Right? Listen, if you marry long enough, you're going to have discouraging days. You're going to have discouraging conversations. You live long enough, your family's going to go through discouraging seasons. You live long enough, you're going to have discouragement on the job. You know, resource, your resource issues, you know, financial issues, discouragement comes and goes. There's ebbs and flows. There's highs and lows of life. But it doesn't mean that we, we run and hide, but actually we should run to him. But then here's the challenge. The body of Christ is the ultimate resource uh, for encouragement. In other words, we have a responsibility before God to grow into encouragers. Remember, I started the journey by saying, listen, you may start your relationship with Jesus always needing somebody's encouragement. You always calling someone, saying, help, life is crazy, life is frustrating, and you call them in the wee hours of the morning. God forbid that's the way you continue in life. In other words, there's a season and a point in all of our lives that we have to grow up. We have to grow up to a point that people are now calling you to what? Be encouraged and inspired and, and restored because of what you can share with them and what you can locate in the text, right? To be able to say, let me encourage you with the authority of God's word. Let me encourage you with, with 
my testimony of how I endure whatever you're going through. So, yes, there's a season that you may be in right now saying, oh, God, I need people to encourage me. Well, you can't be encouraged locked in your house somewhere. Separated from the body of Christ. Separated from other sisters in Christ. Separated from other couples in Christ. Separated from other men of God. You cannot be encouraged isolated, right? So, Get connected to the body of Christ. That's where encouragement comes from, right? But then there comes a time in our lives that I have to be what? The encourager. So hopefully in the sermon series, we want to accomplish this. We want to accomplish uh, the, the reality that, that I need to encourage you, right? Uh, leaders need to encourage you. And we've defined leaders as even in your household, fathers, mothers, you must be encouragers to your children, to those you have influence over. If you're a businessman or woman, listen, you can't drive people to, you know, into the ground without encouraging them in some form or fashion. Encouragement has to flow from you as an influence in the world, in the body of Christ, right? But then uh, we should get to a point that everyone grows up and learns how to be encouragers all the time, and that we live to encourage. Make sense? So if you can, uh, please open your Bibles again to uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And as you're turning there, <clears throat> remember the word encouragement from the Greek is from a word called parakaleo, which is a combination of two words, para, parallel, to come alongside, right? To come alongside, to be beside, to be near, the word, second word, kaleo, which means to call or summon. Now, remember, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, lives where? Within you. So when push comes to shove, nobody's picking up the phone. You can't find anybody in the body of Christ. Who do you have? Christ. You have him all the time because we're not omnipresent. <clears throat> we're not going to be at all places at all times. Chances are we're going to fail each other. But Christ is always there to be your encouragement because his spirit, right, the paraclete, capital P, lives within you, right? But then there's the responsibility for us to become paracletes ourselves. We should be paracletes ourselves within the body of Christ that you can call me alongside you or maybe more specifically, you don't have to call the pastor all the time to be encouraged, you should be able to call a lay person in the church, someone who loves Jesus, who can give you the love of Jesus when you need the love of Jesus and you don't need the voice of a pastor. Makes sense. And there's more voices, right, among us than just one voice or a few voices of, of a pastor. Makes sense? So we're called by God to be paracletes within the body of Christ. Makes sense. So uh, as you still turn into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, remember there's three, um, if you would, uh, important phases of encouragement that we've been landing on in this sermon series. And if we want to become and remain a church that's full of encouragement, here's the three things. And, and we're finishing up uh, the first point, which is this. Maintain an environment where learning how to encourage is modeled. Me. Other pastors, other leaders, other women's leaders, ministry leaders, 
other people who have the privilege to stand before you, sit before you, be your servant leaders, we have to first model it, period. If you're a man in your house, guess what? You're to model to your wife, to your children, how encouragement should look. If you're a mother, right? I mean, if again, if you are a, a businessman or woman, you need to model encouragement no matter where you are. If, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, our responsibility, because we are influencers in this world, is to be men and women who are full of encouragement. So we need to learn how to model this. Secondly, uh, we uh, took a sidestep, Lisa and I, and we had the opportunity to teach the Valentine's message that we do every year. So we, we've landed on this, is that we must maintain an environment that fosters encouragement in marriage. We can't have a bunch of marriages that folks aren't encouraged in. You follow me? How do we work through the frustrations in the context of marriage to land on healthy marriages that are full of encouragement? Amen? You want to come home at night. You want to be together. You still have fun together, right? You still love each other, and your love for each other is growing deeply. And then lastly, we must maintain an environment where people live to encourage. At the end of the day, man, we have to say, I get up every single day, and I'm on a mission to encourage somebody that I have been born, I've been created to encourage somebody in my life. Make sense? All right. Now, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 uh, through 10, it says this. Now, remember, the context is Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he's come to them, and other leaders have come to them, and he's now writing in chapter 2 that he came to exhort them. But we're looking at how he exhorted them from a leadership perspective. It says, for our exhortation, our encouragement does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not intending to please people, but to please God, who examines our hearts. Verse 5, it says, for we never came with flattering speech or, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek honor from people, either uh, from you or from others, though we could have asserted our authority as apostles of Christ. But we proved to be gentle among you. Listen to this, guys. As nursing mothers tenderly cares for her own children. In the same way, we had a fond affection for you, and we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Verse 9, it says, So you recall, brothers and sisters, our labor and hardship. It was uh, by working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, that we proclaim to you the gospel of God. But you're, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly and rightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Man, you just read that and let that digest. It's like, let's go home, pack our bags. We don't need anything else said, right? But I guess I have to. <laughs> but but let's, let's do this as a review. Because uh, remember, as leaders in the church, home, and marketplace, we should be first modeling this encouragement so that others who follow us 
uh, we'll, we'll learn how to encourage one another. So we started off with these uh, two points. The first was this. Encouragement must be error-free. The only way encouragement from us to others can be error-free, it has to be tethered to the Word of God. can't be our opinion. can be stuff we just read in some Reader's Digest. Uh, you know, it has to be tethered to the Word of God. It is what God thinks is what God's opinion is what we must encourage each other through. Now, coupled with that is that we must be men and women, if we want to keep it error-free, is to know that no encouragement is outside of the gospel. Because the answer for every problem is Christ and Christ alone. So we have to get to a point that we understand, no, no, I may want to give you my opinion in this case, but I can't. Or here's, here's the, the crazy thing. Over time, you may have to encourage somebody, encourage somebody in the same thing, and you feel like you're running out of the answers. The answer still is Christ. To make sure our encouragement is error-free. But then secondly, we realize that <clears throat> our encouragement has to be with pure motives. It can't come with some impurity of motive. And the only way that we can maintain this purity of motive is that we cannot rob God from his glory. It, we can't have any ulterior motives to encourage someone outside of that Christ may be glorified. That as I help you, he is glorified in you, he is glorified through you. Now remember, the only way we can accomplish this, we... we uh, summarize is that everything we do must be done in what? Love. The love of Christ controls me. The love of Christ compels me. The only way that I can keep it air-free, the only way I can make sure that it's with pure motives is that my ultimate motive is because I love Jesus and I love you. It can't be because if I share this with you, and you respond to this, then I feel warm and fuzzy. Now, the beautiful thing about encouragement is when you do encourage people for the right reasons, you will also feel warm and fuzzy, <laughs> right? It make your heart leap. It makes your heart content. You know, when you, when you encourage someone, they get it. It's like, wow, they got it. But that can't be why. We can't be people that are encouraging people because we're deficient in Christ. I encourage you, and I'm also sufficient in Christ and Christ alone, which helps my motives to always stay pure. Make sense? But then, here's our third and final point as it relates to leaders' responsibility, is encouragement is to be without deceit. Verse 3, it has to be without deceit. It does not come by way of deceit. So let's drill down deeper. The word deceit means this, it is not with guile, it is not to be devious, it's not crafty, nor is it sneaky. You say, well, how can encouragement be sneaky? So here's the example. You ever have a, a child that you want to motivate? Okay, sweetheart, if you, if, if you do what I tell you to do, I'll give you four cookies today instead of three. That is so deceitful. It's crafty. And sometimes as believers, we get very crafty and deceitful maybe unintentionally, but the only one that should be encouraging people to be encouraged is the Spirit of God himself. 
It shouldn't be some arterial or some back way into people's hearts. It can be. It can be, okay, well, if you, then I. It, it, it can't be that way. So our responsibility is to guard our hearts and to make sure that our approach is never from deceit. There's no crafty, slick way of trying to motivate people to follow Jesus and be obedient to the heart of Christ. So going further, you look deeper into verses 7 through 10. 7 through 10. Encouragement without deceit should always have a gentle approach. Because if it's not, so this is what happens. It's kind of like, well, I don't want to be gentle with that person. You ever meet people like that? It's like, I don't want to be gentle with that person. I mean, the way they act and the way they, well, I don't want to be gentle today. But God is saying, no, there has to be some form of gentleness in it. Why? Listen to verse 7. Gentle as a nursing mother. Means there's this mildness, affableness, there's this pleasantness and warmness that has to be accompanied with encouragement. Tenderly care means this, to cherish with a tender love, to foster with tender care. So there has to be this tenderness and um, warmness, the pleasantness that goes along with our encouragement. And so many times we miss that as believers. It's like, no, but I'm just going to tell them the truth. Because it's truth. It's the gospel. Sometimes the gospel hurts. You just need to snap out of it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, listen to this even describes for, for, for those who are defenders of the faith, right? The apologists, which apologists, apologetics means defenders of the faith, which is interesting that you're apologizing. It's a weird definition of it, but listen to how we should defend the gospel and how it should look. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. First of all, you're dealing with yourself. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you. That's the apologist's best verse. But they forget the latter part. But with gentleness and respect. Not with arrogancy. Not with this in your face. Not even in your face and print on social media. It still should be with gentleness and respect. The gospel will cut you. It will slice you and dice you, and you can still do it respectfully. Then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26 defines how encouragement through correction should be handled. Now, again, encouragement should also correct and people in the body of Christ, we need correcting, right? So this is how it's described. The Lord's bondservant must, be, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, skillful in teaching, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that the goal? But you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
Well, no, I'm going to make sure that they will repent and they will come to the knowledge of the truth. But you can't be quarrelsome. You have to be kind and you have to be gentle. In verse 26, it says, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to his will. My humble opinion is when we don't use gentleness and we're combative and we're not kind, we ultimately, unfortunately, keep people entrapped and in prison with the enemy. The gospel is liberating the messengers of the gospel screw it up. From the pulpit to the door. You follow me? Me and everyone else, if there's no humility and gentleness and people smell it, they feel it. And then Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, explains how encouragement through restoration should be conducted. Here's the caution. Each one of us in this room one day may need to be restored. You may need to be restored in the context of your marriage. I may disappoint my wife. Then I need to come back for restoration. Please forgive me, right? But if she comes to me and I'm like, oh, jump through hoops and oh, no, but you, well, why you keep and making it hard and let's read the text. Verse 1 in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Why? Each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. One day you're going to need some help. How would you want someone to approach you? Are you getting this? This gentle approach doesn't mean you don't deal with it. Doesn't mean that you don't communicate hard things. Doesn't mean that the gospel won't slice people inside out and expose. That's what the word of God does. But people should be smiling on the way to the surgery. Because of the, the love of Jesus that oozes out of us. Verse 8, encouragement without deceit should display fond affection. Fond affection. One of the biggest problems with the communicating of encouragement is there's no love association. It's kind of like, well, I'm just going to tell you this because I'm going to tell you this. And you need to hear this. Or it can be so soft at the wrong time. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know. I don't want to push them away from Jesus, but they're already far away from him now. Listen to what it says. Having so fond an affection for you. These words, fond of affection, you know what it describes? A shower. Just imagine a rain shower or your shower, you walk in it. It just, just keep that vivid uh, description in your mind, a shower. It's well, it, I'm well pleased to impart our lies. Why? It's because you've become very dear to me. I want to shower you with my life. I want to shower you with encouragement because you've become very 
dear to me. The words very dear means this, you've become my beloved. You've become my favorite. One of the struggles and tensions and encouragement is this. Well, I don't like you anyway, so I gotta encourage you. <laughs> it's like I can live without you, so move on. I know God ain't telling me to encourage that person. He probably is. Because you're not that dear to me. And remember, people feel it. From where I'm standing to, because remember, a lot of times, even where I'm standing, people have, they don't have the intimate chance to really get to know me and my heart. But one thing I've learned over the years is that people still feel and sense from a distance. They sense that you just saying words are no. There's a heartfelt passion and compassion towards the people and towards God. So the challenge we all face is if you're in close proximity to a person or you, you, you're in a large audience of and a group of people, there is this necessity to have this fond affection towards people. That is just not, I'm not a, in John 10, it talks about a hired hand who's not willing to lay down his life for the sheep. But here's the best part of this definition of very dear, worthy of love. All creation, no matter your race, your culture, socioeconomic class, no matter what sin you've committed, no matter what you've done to me, said to me, felt towards me, no matter what I've done to you, said towards you, feel towards you, still worthy of love. And everybody's heart, if you want to be an encourager, you have to get to a point that your heart goes there. Because all of us, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have the lover of your soul on the inside, the paraclete, right? You have the fruit of love on the inside. So all of us have the capacity to do it, but all of us don't choose to do it. We're selective. You're not my favorite. As a parent in a house, this is also dangerous. You have multiple children. You know what begins to happen? Were you mom's favorite? Maybe it's because you're compliant and she don't have to scream and yell at you. And then children begin to delineate and say, well, you like him more than me because you're always screaming at me, but you don't scream at him. So what a parent has to do is learn how to have some self-control, even in the midst of discipline in a child who is rambunctious and off the chain, and to be able to say, you know what? As I discipline you and encourage you, I will also find a way to encourage you. There has to be a place that we come in our hearts that, you know what, right now, you don't feel, you don't feel very dear to me right now. 
because of your behavior, your conduct, you're talking back to me, you're disrespecting me, but you are still very dear to me. And you're my favorite. That's the heart of Jesus. Everybody in this room is God's favorite. He didn't selectively say, well, you know, Lisa's my favorite because she's my girl and I'm going to die for Lisa. Only. We have to get to a point in our lives that we develop such a fond affection for everyone in our lives. I like to also add this caveat. Sometimes you just got to do what you know to do. In other words, your emotions and everything about you don't feel like doing it. But give God time to let your heart catch up with your head. You know that it is written to love as we have been loved. You don't feel like it. You're not thinking it. You don't want to do it, right? But you know I'm commanded to do it. And I know it in my head that I'm commanded to do it. Do it and let your heart catch up with it. Let your heart catch up. Let your emotions catch up with what you know is the right thing to do. And that's why Romans 12, 10 in the English Standard Version says this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showering honor. Can you imagine if we're a church that's we're just tripping over each other to outdo encouraging one another? There'll be nobody that is missed that our goal is to outdo one another and showing fond affection towards each other. That's the way it should be. Then no one goes untouched. Amen? Our last couple of points. Verse 9. Encouragement without deceit is not without hardship and hard work. Similar to what I just described to you. It's going to be hardship and hard work work. The word our labor is it's a beating of the breast with grief. There's going to be time you're going to just be like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You don't get it, God. I don't want to do it. I have every, every right not to do it, God. And it will be laborious. And it's going to be hard work. Is The word hardship is a hard and difficult labor of distress. But listen to what the words working night means, which is super important. Because, yes, we get it that it's hard emotionally, but it's also hard with time, schedule, priority. Anybody busy in a room? Everybody has busy lives, but there's no excuse. Well, you know, I don't have time to call anybody to encourage anybody. Well, you know, I have long work, long days. I'm, you know, I'm a working mother. Well, you know, I work two jobs. Well, you know, but yet here's the weird thing. In the midst of all the chaos, somebody just will randomly pop in your mind. Just randomly. It's like, why am I thinking about this person? Duh. Maybe you should text them, call them to encourage them and say, hey, I was just thinking about you. Can you imagine when you, to me, that is some of the most profound phone calls. Just say, hey, I was just thinking about you. Everything good? Anything I could pray for you about? 
It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out conversation. Just, hey, everything good? How can I, how can I pray for you? You've just been on my mind. The Spirit of God always, the paraclete who empowers us to be a paraclete, right, always drops names, people's circumstances in all of our hearts. But we're too busy. It says, Paul says, listen, I was working night. This word working means to make gains by trading. I'm doing business. And I, was, I was busy, man. I'm busy working a second job and ministering to you. I'm bivocational. And, it, and the word night means the time work ceases. So I'm working when no one else is working. I really don't have time. But he found the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 12 epitomizes how we're required, how, how hardship is required for the good of others. Listen, and you probably haven't read it in this context. It says, for God who said light, capital L, should shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light, capital L, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in our earthly containers so that extraordinary greatness of the power will be will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. It's like, dang, everything's going wrong, but, right? And then it says in verse 10, always carrying around in the body the dying of Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who live are constantly being handed over to death because of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. Why? So death works in us, but life in you. Some of the biggest reasons why people don't encourage other, each other is like, well, I'm going through my mess myself. Well, you don't know what's happening in my house. Well, you don't know what's going on in my head. Well, you don't know. I don't got time to encourage nobody. I need encouragement. Can I say this to you, some of you? I, I personally believe, and we've experienced this our own self in our family and marriage, is that you having problems doesn't mean you put encouraging others on hold. Matter of fact, I really believe some of your victory will be found when you start encouraging people while you are in the midst of the need of encouragement. Don't wait until things get better because chances are they probably won't get better until you start encouraging others. Because the beautiful part about, about encouragement is when you start embellishing others with encouragement somehow it's reciprocated in some unique supernatural way so don't wait until your marriage gets better before you be an encouragement to someone else don't wait until your resources get better then okay well then i'll no 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 that doesn't show faithfulness in the small things Be faithful in the small things. And believe it or not, small thing is encouragement as well. Give, and it will be given back to you. So many times we look at those passages because we're money hungry. Give, and then get back to me. I'll get more money. No, give. Be a giver. 
It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Remember what Jesus says, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross, despised shame. Guess who's the joy? You and me. Other people is the joy, are the joy. And that's why it's so important to have the, the heart of Christ. Yes, life is tough. Yes, you will have serious things go on in your life, but it doesn't mean you stop moving forward. Chances are you'll begin to realize that someone is worse off than you. And what you go through is really not that bad. Encourage through hardship and through working hard. It's good for us. Lastly, verse 10 and 11, encouragement without deceit comes with blameless behavior. Uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must get to a point that we can lay our heads on a pillow and we can say, you know what? I'm good with God and I'm good with mankind. Blameless. There's nothing that I can find in my inventory of, of memory that I've done towards someone and someone has towards me. There's nothing that I can find in my heart that I say, okay, well, God, oh, shucks, I haven't done what you told me to do in that area. But can we become a people that are blameless? Why is this so important? You see, verse 10, it says, we've behaved blamelessly. In other words, there is no cause or censure of criticism. Because when people become critical towards you, they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. If people are taking your life apart and say, I can't believe it. They say they're a Christian. Look at the way they work, act at work. Look at what they're doing over there. And then the Spirit of God, what he would do is put us on blast and say, oh, by the way, why don't you go encourage that person? And you'll be feeling some kind of way like, oh, dang. That person just saw me do this, 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 this. How can I go over there and encourage them? Right? And it's like God just, he knows us. It's like, ah, see, you've been walking around with that bad attitude. Right? And it's been only you and me to have that bad attitude. And then right when you get still, he said, oh, by the way, call Mary. Call Larry. Call Gary. Well, 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 you know, but God, I can't because, you know, I was just all messed up in the head. Oh, how can, how can I encourage someone because I ain't, I ain't doing what I'm supposed to do? Listen to what Paul said in verse 11. Exhorting and encourage and employing each one of you as a father would his own children. Remember, define the text with the text. So he says, in the other place, he says, fathers, do not exacerbate your children. He didn't say it to mothers, because my affectionate opinion is mothers get passes when fathers don't. You know, it's kind of like mom's having a bad day, so everybody better always, that's why they make songs for moms. Like, I will always love my mama. She's my favorite girl. No song ever penned about a daddy. It's like, daddy, oh, I love my daddy. Nobody's singing that stuff. 
it's mama. Yeah, oh, I love my mama. You know, it, listen. So here, I'm all deviating, but listen. That's why you see a guy score a touchdown. The daddy was out there, rain, sleet, snow, throwing passes to him, and the first thing comes out of his mouth is what? Hi, mom. Right? I mean, so it's okay that it is what it is. But, but the challenge we face is we have to become men. Men, it clearly shows, and it's showing, to me, it's applicable to women, right? But it's also showing men, hey, guys, there's this balance of encouragement that is so needed. Be like a nursing mother, but then be a dad who has self-control. That is kids are not looking at caller ID and saying, I ain't picking up the phone. Because all my, do- my dad does is complain and just drive me down and tell me what I need to correct and I don't want to pick up the phone. I don't want to be encouraged. Matter of fact, I have no pathway to be encouraged by my, you know, uh, there's no pathway for my dad to encourage me because all that he's said and done leading up to that. So it's showing, right, the discipline and the love of a mom, but then also the discipline and the love of a dad because the love of a dad has to display discipline. That I, I, yeah, you affected my pride right now, but I ain't gonna let you see it. How much has affected me? Because the way you're talking to me right now, it ain't working for the manhood. But I have to still show self-control because if I lose it, I'll lose them. Tender, self-control. Tender, self-control. Both are required to encourage. But self-control and being like a dad who is exhorting and encouraging and imploring his son, like, you can do it, you can do it. I can say this to you because I have access to your heart. And your heart's not closed to me. Because it's blameless. And that's why you look at Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15, through 15. It suggests that our behavior must be proven. Doesn't mean that you, today, some of your journeys may be that, dang, I've lost credibility to encourage anybody. But it doesn't have to end that way. Do all things without complaining or grumbling. That's where it starts. It ain't nobody else's fault but yours. Start grumbling, start complaining, take personal inventory. Why? So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Can you imagine if you're around the water faucet and are the coffee pot at work and all you're doing is complaining, 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 and arguing about what the boss ain't doing and right? And oh now now again that God God exposes you and says, Oh, by the way, why don't you encourage everybody around a coffee pot? They're gonna all look at you like a puppy dog that, you know, is like, oh, who, who are you? Who are you really? Right? So let us be blameless 
innocent children above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we are to appear as lights in the world. Amen. Air free. Pure motives without deceit. Amen. Let's pray. Can you pray right now in your own words? Just pray that God help me to be this leader in my home, in the marketplace, in the church. God, help me to be a better encourager. Maybe there's something that you've learned today or beforehand that you say, wow, yeah, I, I've missed it here. And just ask the Lord to help you, forgive you and help you, forgive you and help you, and he will. Let him, he who acts, uh, lacks wisdom ask of the Lord and he will give it to you generously. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. The acronym WIRE means Weekly Inspiration, Refreshment, and Encouragement. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org Again, that's www.loveallnations.org Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church with another Weekly Wire. Have you ever worked with someone who was a slacker and they just didn't pull their weight alongside of you? Or maybe you yourself have been classified as that slacker on the job or in the church or in the home. Well, the Bible says that he who is a slacker in his work is like a brother to a destroyer. In other words, if we don't pull our weight, if we don't do our very best at what God has given us to do, we ultimately become uh, a partner of, of destruction, someone or something that can destroy the very work that you're putting your hands to do. So the next time you, you struggle with giving your very best, remember the scriptures also say to you and I, whatever you do, do it, it as heartily unto the Lord. Rather, if it is eating or drinking or whatever you do, it says do for the glory of God. So again, whenever you feel lazy, tired, and you just want to slack on the job, slack in anything that God has given you the privilege to do and to represent Him in, I would encourage you to think about doing it for His glory. We hope you enjoyed this sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. Again, that's www.loveallnations.org. Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org and if you live in the Philadelphia Delaware or South Jersey area we would love to see you in person as well you can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South Lindenwald New Jersey 08021 
Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.